So you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you want to make a podcast of your own. Well, Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast direct to Spotify. Everywhere else podcasts are heard as well. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. It's time for the debrief. Miro makes his long-awaited return, filling in for John Moxley and tonight's world title eliminator matchup. It was great. The Redeemer is one step closer to redeeming himself. On NXT 2.0, the new school continues to dominate as Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams get a solid win over NXT veteran Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Request Glorias and myself are going to jump into all of this tonight on this edition of the debrief. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. What's up, everyone? It's Jose G. Enrico El Glorioso. You know what time it is. It's time for the debrief here on Sports Keto Wrestling. We're going to break down everything y'all need to know about this week's NXT 2.0 and AEW Dynamite. Dynamite was a solid show. NXT coming off the heels of Halloween Havoc, almost setting that reset button. We got to see a little bit more of the consequences of last week, bro. But before we get started, Rico, what's up, broski? How you been? I've uh, been good, man. I've been missing you, Jose. I know I was off, you know, doing my own thing. But, you know, I'm back here, back with a new look, keeping the, the yeah, Tony Stark that. look that I kept from Halloween. Keep it going. Congrats my Braves winning the World Series. But it's all about... NXT 2.0, and we're on the road to full gear as this card continues to shape up. We had some important matches happen tonight on AEW, so I'm looking forward to talking about all of that with you, Jose. How you been? Ah, uh, man, it's, it's been a busy week, you know, with the announcement of that breaking news early, uh, late last night, early today about John Moxley uh, checking himself into rehab. We covered that extensively earlier today on the top show. You guys can check that out. Go ahead and subscribe to the Sports Keto Wrestling channel right now on our YouTube. We're well on our way over 23,000. So thank you so much and help us get to 30,000 subscribers. The only way you can do that is by subscribing and smashing that notification bell. If you're watching us on Facebook, do the right thing. Hit that like button, the share button, the heart emoji button, the angry. It doesn't matter. Just go ahead and engage with the show. Go ahead and share your thoughts on this week's NXT 2.0 and AEW Dynamite. But let's jump in straight into Dynamite, Rico, because it, this show itself, we are 10 days away from full gear. Some serious implications with both the Women's TBS Tournament and the Men's World Title Tournament. But more recently, to close out the show, we found out Miro was filling in for John Moxley, about time that AEW showed some love to Miro. And JR said it himself. He's the highest rank fighter in there right now in that tournament. And I think that was the right decision to put Miro in there. And it was even more of a right decision for him to go over and face Brian Danielson at full gear on November 13th. The world seems like it's getting back to our normal place. But until Miro doesn't win the entire thing, he's not going to be fully redeemed yet, right? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it took certain circumstances for have you know for him to have this opportunity because Jose, he is finally going to be on full gear. At this point, he didn't have a match lined up at all for full gear, but you know he's in there at a prime opportunity. He took full advantage, taking out Orange Cassidy, even though he almost lost via countout. After Orange Cassidy dove off of the top, the turnbuckle through the table, threw him through a table, uh, and barely making a 10 count, but he was able to get back, hit the Matzka kick essentially, and the game over to get the win and solidify his spot 
at full gear facing off against Brian Danielson in the final of that AEW world title eliminator. Uh, the winner, of which of course is going to get the chance to face off for the title, whether it's Kenny Omega or hangman, Adam page, whoever walks out of full gear as a champion, either way between those four guys, I'm excited for any way of these matches to play out. I know you've been excited. You're ecstatic. Now the mirror's in it. I, it just, I literally popped tonight. Like I was watching that matchup. I'm like, please give him that opportunity. He, there's nobody else on that roster yeah. that deserves an opportunity in that tournament than Miro, all right? And I'm glad that he was able to fill in for John. You know, we, we wish John for him to have a speedy recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we're looking at, at the amount of talent that AEW has, Miro is up there, man. Miro is a top echelon elite athlete, no pun intended, on AEW. But it's true, and he, he's just not been well used over these last few weeks ever since he dropped that TNT title to Sammy Guevara. And what I actually love about what's happening right now, especially in the vignette, he kind of brings that over, that loss. You know, he's he's been he's been forsaken by his God, his his mm -hmm. wife hasn't talked to him or you know he needs to <laughs> seek forgiveness so i love that he's bringing that into his redeemer character something that we we have never seen from miro before so good good call aew thank you for following my advice even though you guys may not want to admit that you watched the show but i'm going to take full credit for that rico yeah that's what uh who was saying it here in the chat uh, it's Steven Chambers. Finally, Miro's in the tournament. Tony Khan must have listened to the show last week. Yeah, they finally have the Jimmer <laughs> in the show. And you're right. Like, that's that vignette that he had was amazing. You know, uh, talking about, like, are you are you mad at me? But what happens when I'm looking at you in anger? Are you looking down at me in fear? Like, what he's doing with this character, I absolutely love. It just sucks that he's going up against a buzzsaw that is Brian Danielson. Because it felt like it's been Brian Danielson's tournament to lose. But mm -hmm. I, you know, you never know. And just like you said, you know, uh, when we were talking before the show, it could be a swerve. You, you never know what could happen when it comes to AEW at this point. They could subvert our expectations, and they could give Miro the shot at Hangman Adam Page. You know, if he presumably, presumably wins the title at full gear. You never know. But either way, it it made the most sense to have Miro be that guy to replace Moxley because just like you said, a he's number three ranked in the uh, when it comes to the rankings. He was a former TNT champion, and they haven't been doing anything with him. And he didn't have a spot one on the card. He only has one loss, dude. Yeah, and that was the title to Sammy Guevara. That's the only time he's lost since he's been in AEW. So it makes the right sense. I think this is going to be an amazing matchup between Agreed. these two guys. These two former WWE guys, now we're seeing them here in AEW without it's be hilarious. the catch. Just have them cut free, do what they can do in the ring. I'm excited for this match. I know <laughs> as soon as they showed his picture, I had a text of like, yo, He's in this tournament, Jose. Your prayers have been answered. Miro is back. <laughs> in the uh, in the in good the old voice, in the good old voice of uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H. I find it kind of funny that uh, the finals are two ex WWE guys. So, uh, yeah. So Christopher Ryan Cooper watching this on Facebook. I hate the reason why Miro was put in, but man, look how good he is. Absolutely, got I gotta agree with that. Uh, Christopher Ryan is also saying, Rico, I see you. You got lined up. Rico looking all fresh, fresh off of his uh, Tony Stark uh, cosplay costume last week for Halloween. Uh, but, uh, you know, we did uh, close the show with the world title eliminator, but we opened up the show with the world champion, Kenny Omega, going up against Dark Orders, Allen Five Angels, uh, with Kenny Omega getting a win. But Allen Five looking pretty good in this matchup in an opening contest against the world champ. Uh, even though he got the win, uh, you know, it, it's not a, okay. So when you're opening up a dynamite, right, you're opening up with the world champ. Why isn't the world champ fighting someone worthy of having an opening battle? You know, uh, that's was, that's my nitpick here because Alan, where is, even though they really don't pay attention to the rankings, even though they say they do, where does he rank? He's, he shouldn't even be in the same ring space as Kenny Omega, right? So they're kind of doing this full arc thing with Kenny Omega because they kept bringing up consistently all the, you know, the match that he had with Allen Angels before he became AEW champion where he got taken to the limit by the guy presumably mm -hmm. that would become number five of the Dark Order. 
So I think they're trying to do this whole again a rem, uh, like a long look back at the the whole history between Hangman and Kenny Omega, and this being one of the the matches that Kenny Omega had before he became champion that he got brought to his limit. So it's like righting all the wrongs, I guess, essentially of the past of showing why he's the dominant champion. So that way, when it comes down to it at full gear, it's you know since the inception of AEW you know, where a hangman was a title and now Kenny has a title, like bring it all up together here to this one fine, you know, the singularity essentially when hangman yeah, yeah. is this the moment I, I, this, where he finally was trying title to rectify. Yeah. He's trying, he's trying to re- restabilize the timeline. I, yes. I, I understand what he's trying to yes. do. Uh, exactly. So after the matchup, you know, Kenny Omega did the heelish thing and uh, wanted to end angels career with the chair. Uh, but then hangman Adam page comes out for the save. Uh, so, that story's still continuing. We're going to get that one-on-one matchup at full gear next week. Uh, a lot of people are expecting already that Hangman Adam Page will become the new AEW champion. But, again, it's wrestling, and anything can happen. Uh, moving on, Malachi Black had a vignette uh, about being barred from ringside, not being a match uh, a factor in the match. Uh, then we had a uh, in-ring promo oh, by CM Punk uh, giving – Pretty much his support to John Moxley. If you guys know, remember earlier today we covered it extensively in the top story. John Moxley checked himself into voluntary rehab uh, for alcoholism. CM Punk talked a little bit about it, opening up the show or opening up the promo that you know right now that's not the name I want to hear. And then they all started chanting Mox. Mox. And uh, and and this is something cool. That I like that CM Punk has you know has been doing or does, and when there's something going on in the wrestling world that everybody knows what's going on, right? Yeah. Whether it be internet, press release, whatever it whatever it may be, he's gonna mention it. CM Punk in AEW does a really good job of acknowledging that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas WWE they stay to their storylines unless it's something serious like a death of a current member of the roster or you know something very tragic like that they won't go out of their way to change what's going on with the programming whereas over here they know what's going on he took a moment out of his promo time out of his tv time to make sure listen if you guys are having mental health issues if you guys having addiction issues reach out to somebody it's Mm -hmm. not that hard all right so I thought that was really cool of him. And then he switched it over and then he brought the promo from Mox over to Eddie Kingston. Now, Eddie Kingston interrupted Mox uh, um, CM Punk last week in mid interview and CM Punk did not like that at all. Eddie Kingston was not uh, at dynamite tonight and he called him out for Friday night on AEW rampage where CM Punk is expecting his apology where I am predicting he ain't gonna get one. Oh no, of course not. Like this is clearly the setup for the match between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston at full gear. Uh and to bring up what Paul uh Kornkowski was asking, like CM Punk should have been in the tournament. He even brought it up. He's like, you know what? I would have put my name in there to be the replacement for Moxie. However, you know, I still have to deal with the situation with Eddie Kingston. So he, he tried to subvert that. Like, why did you use CM Punk? This is why, because they have this storyline going on here, uh, which should be another good matchup. Like, we've seen Eddie Kingston, when it comes to these big matches, he delivers. He delivered against uh, Brian Danielson, you know, in that losing effort in the tournament. He delivered against, uh, you know, for Miro against for the TNT Championship. It's like Eddie Kingston, when you put him up against a big uh, caliber opponent, he can bring it. So I can only imagine what him and CM Punk are going to do. Uh, you know, when they eventually are going to square off at full gear. So we'll see. We'll see what uh, what CM Punk has for the Mad King. If you want to know how serious Eddie Kingston is, just look at Daniel Bryan's chest last week. Just look at that. Look at all that hamburger meat that 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 chest was last week, all because of Eddie Kingston. So, uh, yeah, I think this should be a, a good matchup. You know, different styles usually lead to good matchups. And these are two completely different styles. You know, you got Eddie Kingston, who's more of a brawler, kind of a technician, and CM Punk, who's really an all-arounder. You know, the guy can be a high flyer. The guy can be a technical. The guy can be power. The guy can really do anything. So uh, this should be this should lead into an interesting matchup. Do you think this matchup uh, happens at full gear? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Friday because he's asking for the apology. So this is going to be the go home. Lewis. Setting up the match for the next day. Essentially, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, we also had a, a segment with the Super Click. Uh, the Super Click were kind of like uh, bragging on you know how good they were. Christian Cage made a little appearance back there. Then the Young Bucks was like, listen, you better watch what you're saying before we beat you down like we did last week. And then Luchasaurus is behind them. And then all of a sudden, all sorts of mayhem breaks loose. It, the interviews goes from the backstage to the main ring area where the mayhem just continues. And then they're out one spot. Jungle Boy just runs like Yo, a just... maniac <laughs> off of the top just of the stage and just, just one big flip onto everyone. It was a fun little segment. This rivalry continues. Uh, it looks like the, the, the super elite or the super click uh, are still upset from that loss last week. Oh, yeah. And especially at the end of the segment when Christian Cage hits poor old Bones, a.k.a. Adam Cole, baby, with the concerto. And he just sells it like a champ. He just, like, flops around like a dead fish. You know, just taking the brunt there. Uh, because later on, we did have a segment with John Silver in the ring with Tony Schiavone, basically talking about the match that he's going to have with Adam Cole. Uh, that's coming up this upcoming Friday on Rampage. Uh, and we also got a few video packages about the uh, the women's, the TBS tournament uh, that they have going on uh, between the next match is coming up between Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander, also between Red Velvet and The Bunny. So the women's division, you know, continues to heat up uh, with these other matches. We did get a match tonight with uh, Anna Jay going up against Jamie Hayter. But, of course, Jamie Hayter, she's got the support of the AEW Women's Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, which essentially got her the win tonight. Uh, but, of course, after the match, after that happened, uh, they were beating down on Anna Jay. And Ty Conti was going to be facing Britt Baker at full gear, came out to make the save. She gets taken out. And Thunder Rosa comes out and makes a save. So yeah, I like popped for that. I popped because it's been a while since she's been on TV, right? Yeah, so like it's a nice way of bringing her back into the fold into the women's division. Obviously, we have this match. More than likely, Britt Baker's gonna win versus Ty Conti. As much as we love Ty Conti and seeing her progression in AW versus what they did with her in the NXT, uh, she's still gonna be she's gonna get a great run from Britt, but Britt's probably gonna get the win, and that's probably gonna sit up Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa pretty soon, too. Uh, and you know those two can go. champion. Yeah, I mean, uh, check out that lights out match. Was it last year? And that lights out match was ridiculous. Yeah. If, yeah, it feels like almost a year ago now at this point. But yeah, it's, oh, if not, we're we're approaching. We're getting, we're getting close quickly. to it. So it just yes. goes to show, like they're putting her back into that segment. You know, getting involved with Doctor Britt Baker. So expect that matchup sooner rather than later. But it's going to be good when it does happen. But uh, speaking of good matches, man, a guy that we haven't seen for a while, formerly known as Kalisto in WWE, Samurai del Sol was teaming up with his boy Arrowstar, who was very popular in Triple Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground with the insane high-flying antics that he does. They teamed up to face against uh, FTR, who are the current reigning defending Triple A uh, mega tag team champions. In an the greatest luchadors of the entire world, Rico. The greatest luchadors. Sure they are. Uh, but they had an open challenge. They got the Triple A campeones, bro. That that should solidify that they are the best luchadores. Only when they're frogs. Only when they're frogs. That's the only time that that actually matters. But of course, they got the win over these guys. But it was nice to see Kaliso get involved, even though they did lose in heelish fashion. Where uh, there was a roll up, and then uh, Kaliso had uh, Cash Wheeler. He rolled him back over, but he held onto the ropes to get the win. Uh, But of course, you know they continue their slimy ways. not only maintaining the AAA uh, Mega Champion Tag Team Championships, but they are challenging for those AEW Tag Team Championships against the Lucha Brothers uh, on, at Full Gear, who came out and made the save. But we did have an interesting segment where it looked like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard were about to come to blows. I, I'm looking, I'm watching. <laughs> I see, I'm watching this, and I'm hearing the crowd pop for this. They're like, "Oh my god!" And then you hear Jim Ross. And the back is like, these two former tag team partners are about to go and throw blows. And then the, the, the you know, no, the, the, no. the, uh, the Lucha no, Bros come, come out. out and then, and I'm looking and I'm hearing <laughs> the crowd and I'm like, these people really want to see these 60, almost 70 year olds just throw hands in the middle of nobody. No. That's going to, first, they're both going to get seriously injured. <laughs> and two, 
And two, it's going to be sloppy, right? It, I, mean, I could be wrong, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe, the greatest, maybe they're still in ring shape. Maybe he's still training. Match. I don't know. This could be the greatest technical match that we've ever seen, Jose. You never know what these two immensely talented and technical star match by Dave Meltzer standards. <laughs> it's the purest, the purest of wrestling matches. That's what we could get between these old guys. Uh, but one match that's not going to be pure wrestling, though, Jose. We do have the 10 man tag team match that we're going to have at full gear between Inner Circle and men versus men of the year and members of America's top team, which the Inner Circle got to choose. Who is going to be representing America's top team? Because Dan Lambert came out with an open contract and, you know, a whole bunch of guys with them to represent America's top team, including Paige Van Zant and her husband. I forgot his name and I forgot the other guy's name because it didn't matter. Because <laughs> uh, when it came down to it, even though we're not getting Jorge Masvidal, we are getting Andre Olavsky and Junior Dos Santos, two former UFC heavyweight champions, which is great to see. And for the fifth guy, the top guy, the number one guy of America's top team, Dan Lambert himself is going to be in this match. He is eating that pin so hard. It's the only way Not that this me. makes sense for this match to happen. Only in fighters. Only yeah. My face isn't that fat. The guy makes uh, me laugh. That guy makes me laugh. He's he's really he's so, annoying to hear him. He's so naturally I, good at the mic. As he really kid. Really How is, is. He? he's never been in professional wrestling and he's so natural. Like he just, it's just easy for him to come off as, you know, kind of a D bag and it makes you hate him. And it makes you want him to get, get into his ring so he can get hit with the Judas effect in the match. And he's going to eat the pin. He's going to get pinned by Jericho. Like I can tell you exactly how that's going to end. And that's what it's going to be. He's going to hit, get hit with the Judas effect. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about right. Because I mean, junior dos Santos is not going to, want to take the pin on there not especially after losing after 72 seconds in his oh. last matchup so oh. the nice comeback by jake hager by the way so that was that was cool uh didn't really get the interaction between uh santana and the other dude uh but okay but it was really more to set up everything between jericho and lambert i think this is going to be hilarious to watch uh let's see if lambert takes some bumps or not uh someone that took some bumps tonight man cody rhodes Andre Andrade El Idolo with Malachi Black barred from ringside. Uh, man, this was a good match. This was for the for the for the short time that this mm -hmm. match went. This was actually a really good match, and I don't know what what it was about why it was good or why or the way because I think the way it ended was good because now we're having something build up with Andrade and FTR. We know that Andrade paid off. FTR uh, to, to get the triple uh, championships. It looks like that relationship is, or that business arrangement is still continuing. Uh, but man, Andrade, this is the first time we see Andrade and Cody go at it. And for me, for the as short as it was and the finish that it had, which was okay, I thought it was a damn good match. And I think that Andrade carried that match. Yeah, you know, he absolutely did. I think they. Like, you, it, you had it right on the head, Jose. Like, for the time they allotted, because when I was looking at the time, and I'm like, they still have two matches. They still have the match between Orange Cassidy and Miro, which looks like it's not going to get a lot of time. And they have this match. And this is one of those matches you want to give a lot of time to because there's two great competitors in Cody and Andrade. So hopefully this is not the first time that we have them one-on-one. -on -one. Hopefully we'll get an actual extended match, like a pay-per-view level match where they can give them, you know, 15, 20 minutes to just let them tell the story and keep going. Because, like, I love that little segment, especially with the figure four. You know, oh, knowing yeah. Cody was going for it, and then no, Andrade blocked it, and of course, knowing his relationship, and he got the louder Scarlett pop. And, Rick, and he got the louder pop, bro. Because all the smart marks know, you know, the relationship between Charlotte and Andrade, and of course, Ric Flair. So, oh my God, you see oh, what he's, he's doing? doing the, he's, he's doing the bigger part. He's doing Charlotte. He's doing it all because of his father-in-law, dude. Yeah. So like those little things, like I think they tell, a, they can tell a really great story, and especially the hype from uh, not only Tony Schiavone but Jim Ross talking about them being second-generation wrestlers too. Mm -hmm. So like. There's so much lineage and so much history between both of these guys that I think they can tell a great story. Just give them more time. But, of course, they're allotted for so much time, even though they were trying to say, oh, we're going to go over to hell with, you know, taking time out from hockey. They can put us in a penalty box. Yeah, I still ended, like, right at 10, but that's fine. Uh, but I thought they did great, and I'm looking forward to the next match, whether it's, you know, just going to be one-on-one -on -one or even a tag match in, when you put in Pac and you put in Manakai Black in there. But uh, it was the, the ending, of course, the shenanigans, just like we saw between Lucha Brothers and FTR when they lost the AAA champion, tag team championships. 
FTR was hiding under the ring. And like you said, the business arrangement is still there. They did the exact same thing as Cody was going for a suicide dive. They hit him with the belts. He collapses, gets in the ring, gets hit, uh, you know, with the DDT from Andrade. And Andrade gets a big win over Cody Rhodes. So don't be surprised of all, you know, this, everything that keeps happening to him just keeps adding more and more. And he's going to tap more into that Homelander side of himself where he's not turning heel ever. But you might see a little bit more heelish tendencies from one Cody Rhodes. So we'll see how this continues to play out. Man, so this week's AEW was uh, was a pretty darn good show. And I think, uh, you know, there was implications behind it. You know, it wasn't filled with vignettes. It wasn't full, filled, besides the opening match, it wasn't filled with just empty, empty matches that didn't have really anything prolonging a storyline. Again, for the exception of the opening match. Uh, and you brought back Miro and you put him in the tournament and you made him advance to the finals. So I'm going to be a little generous with you this week, AEW, and I'm going to give you an 8.5. The Miro push. The Miro push. Jose. The Miro push gets you that that extra half a point. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm not going to be as courteous as you are, Jose. I'm going to give it an 8 because you get the extra half point for the Miro push. Uh, because they while they had some solid matches, there was a the big gap between the opening match and the uh, Luchador Open Challenge for the AAA Championships, a tag team championship. It, there was a lot of stuff that happened that was really just setting stuff up, so we didn't get straight to the wrestling as much. Uh, but we did get a good promo between MJF and Darby Allen, so that's what brought mm-hmm. it up from the seven seven point five to an eight. So I'm gonna give it a solid eight because I thought they did a great job getting not only Darby Allen involved, they got Sting involved. These guys were in the the mask. You know, Pinnacle came out to get involved too. Uh, but of course, Miro finally being in the main event, getting to an Orange Cassidy, that gives it, a, to me, it gives it a solid eight. Uh, and just a quick prediction. I know you guys were asking us in the chat already of who do we think is going to win between Miro and Brian Anderson. I think it's safe to assume Jose is pulling for Miro and I'm pulling for Brian Anderson. So that's who we both think is going to win that match when it comes to full gear. <laughs> Uh, so you guys are sounding off in the chat. Philip is saying on Facebook, AEW tonight, 10. Man, it must have been a really good show for Philip tonight. Philip loved Hudson, it. 8.5. And to answer uh, your question, no, uh, Britt Baker is not going to WWE. So. <laughs> uh, Stephen Chambers is saying, hey, so guys, sign off in the comments. Let us know how you score this week's AEW Dynamite. Uh, while you guys do that, guys, make sure you are subscribing to the Sports Keto Wrestling channel on youtube we have tons of content dropping on the daily there uh you can watch and catch up with everything you need to know in the world of wrestling by subscribing smashing that notification bell you can watch friday nights tomorrow uh, on friday uh dirty dutch mantel and sp3 and rick Cucino covering smackdown and aew rampage on their smack talk show monday nights it's legion of raw with vince russo and dr chris featherstone every wednesday night it's myself Enrico El Glorioso covering the debrief uh, for AEW and NXT. And every single afternoon, you can catch myself, Kevin Kellum, and Jeremy Bennett on the top story covering the hottest trending topics in the world of wrestling. You guys can only catch it by subscribing to the YouTube channel and following us on Facebook and setting your notifications to see first. So that way, whenever we drop brand new content, you know, so that we can watch it immediately. All right, Rico, so let's jump into NXT 2.0. Fresh off the heels of Halloween Havoc, uh, we got kind of a reset. And this week, uh, we got to see the return of Dakota Kai, who cost Raquel Gonzalez's NXT championship uh, week last week against Mandy Rose. And she opened up the show, dude. Dakota Kai, she had a great matchup uh, against Cora Jade, who's been pushed recently. But Dakota Kai denied her. Denied her. And the only thing that she really came with different, so she has that like really pink hair, and then she has like the the new eye paint. She she looks like an anime character, right? Like, like I'm waiting for her to do some Naruto hand signs and shit. And or she does that to begin, man. You know, that's oh yeah, that's that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But of course, she like you said, she derailed the you know what is a phenomenon in Cora Jade getting two upset wins already in a short time in NXT 2.0. But it looks like, again, this is what NXT's done a really great job of intertwining all these storylines. Because even before this match came out, 
uh, we did have a in-ring promo by Mandy Rose because you know it is her stage now. She is the new NXT Women's Champion. She got to let it, all her feelings out there. You know, all the people that, that doubted me, that denied me. Guess what? I'm the champion. Guess what? I'm still the hottest thing in this business right now. So she got to talk up also her girls and JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. Who? Oh, where are they at? Cut to backstage. They are attacking Zoe Stark. They're implying that they smashed her leg in the locker. But really, it's kind of what we sadly saw and predicted from Halloween Havoc. It looked like Zoe Stark really did injure her leg when she went for the Phoenix Splash. And she landed straight on her legs as opposed to landing that in the Splash. That, yeah. And out of the people that we thought were injured, we I seriously thought Io Shirai was more injured than Zoe Stark. But it looks like Zoe Stark was the one that's legit hurt. So they're writing her off. But Io Shirai comes out and faces off against Mandy Rose. Uh, so it looks like she's involving herself in the NXT Women's Championship, uh, you know, scene right now. And of course, as she's attacking Mandy Rose, out comes the NXT, the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions in Gigi Dolan and Jason Jane. And Team Ninja, who we affectionately call uh, Casey Catanzaro and uh, Caden Carter, come out for the save. So we're going to be getting a six-woman tag match, in Teddy Long style, uh, between Io Shirai and Team Ninja versus... Toxic Attraction next week, which I think is going to be good. It's good to get these ladies back involved. If there's anybody that should take those titles off of Toxic Attraction, it should be Team Ninja. Because Caden Carter and Casey Kanzara have been putting in so much work over this whole time that we've been following them and watching them live, perform live in NXT. I think it'd be a great way for them to actually get elevated and win those titles. And the first way of doing that is having the six-woman tag match. Uh, and of course, as this segment was ending backstage, we saw Dakota Kai interact with Mandy Rose and let you know, I didn't do this for you. I did this to destroy Raquel Gonzalez. I love how she did it in Spanish. Too. She she did the rolling R. Like this to, to destroy Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel. Even though that if you been, wanted to destroy it, her, you should have won the title it, from her. But that's You know what would have been really WWE of them? If if she would have said, I did it because of Raquel. And then the immediate zoom I into the Raquel. eyes and just have like the really open eyes. I did it for Raquel. You know, just do that really intense <laughs> telenovela <laughs> stare. That would have been hilarious. Uh, because that's probably the most WWE thing you could do. But no, we had a really WWE thing that you would see on a Monday Night Raw. And this is the segment between Robert Stone and Zion Quinn. Now, oh, last man. week during the Halloween party, Zion Quinn did an Uranagi slam on Robert Stone through a table. That didn't sit well with Robert Stone, and he wanted to phase Zion Quinn, which is probably the worst mistake you could probably do when you're standing in front of a 6'4 Samoan dude who's doing literally a haka dance while he's entering the ring. That should have been your first sign-on to really not mess with this dude, right? But no, Robert Stone decides, I'm better than you at everything. I'm better than you at singing and at dancing. And he proceeds to sing, and he's singing... Uh, 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 this girl's uh, uh, Frankie, Frankie Monet's entrance song, music. right? That <laughs> then Zion's like, I'm not gonna Listen. do this. This is stupid. He's like, Oh, you're scared. You're chick chick. You can't do this. So you think, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Then they sound off. Shawn Michaels, sexy uh. boy, right? He's singing. He's this was kind of cringy. I'm not gonna lie. This is like. Vi- this is something you would see on a Monday Night Raw in the in the eight forty five to the nine fifteen slot uh, on Monday Night Raw, and this is this is what we're getting on NXT two point You know, this is just a really toned down version of the main roster of NXT or, or uh, Raw or SmackDown. But yeah, this segment: Zion, Gwen, Robert Stone, Basura. They've done so well. And for you guys that don't know what Basura means, it means trash. Trash. They've been doing so well, like building the mystique of Zion Quinn, the Samoan ghost. Like everything he was doing was badass. And what he did at the Halloween party, I thought it was funny. It was slightly funny because he was dressed up as Freddie Mercury. And then he tells him another one bites the dust and then slams it through a table. Like that's quirky. That's, that, you know, that's, that's sly. That's okay. That's subtle. But when you have him come out and sing Sexy Boy, dancing, and then like basically having a little bit of a match because he was like, Dodging and reversing into like dancing moves in the scene. I'm not intimidated by Zion Quinn anymore. Like the mystique yeah. is gone. Now it feels it kind of corny. Like 
he's not like overly hype, you know, goody two shoes like Braun Breaker. But now it's like he's not as like silent badass that like he was before. Like now that's so- Solo Sokoa's role because he didn't need to do any of that stuff. So it, it's like two steps forward, one step back. However, the yeah. match, the way the beals that he did on him when he was like tossing Robert Stone around the ring, yeah, was pretty impressive. Some of yeah, those, those were yeah, those impressive. spots were really cool. But again, I think it goes back exactly to what you just said. It goes back down to losing the mystique, right? I understand that whoever is producing the shows, either be Vince McMahon, either be Bruce Pritchard or whoever, or Shawn Michaels, whoever else is producing and running the NXT shows, I get they want to add more entertainment into that because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to train, they're trying to make the superstars in, in NXT so they can put them on the road and have you you know your next roster for the next five or ten i get that and i totally understand that and i also get that okay you can't be like this brooding guy all the time we need to see a little bit of personality but you could have done that with just robert stone you didn't have to have zion sing dance or any of the stupid stuff because robert stone was enough well just with that outlandish hair and that crazy romper outfit that he had last night was enough, which I love about Robert Stone because you expect that from Robert Stone. He's the comedic relief of the show. You expect that for that to happen, which is God love him. I yeah. I, I think I think he with. does great at his role. I think yeah. he does what he needs to do. He doesn't really but well. He didn't need to have Zion Quinn partake in dancing or partake in singing in order to come across as the badass that you actually are. Is it feels like did they do this purposely so there was there wasn't two like super strong Samoans at the same time because like it feels like all right they started with Zion Quinn and now here comes Solo Sokoa and they're both trying to really establish them as a next top Samoan talent and it feels like they, they don't want them to be I guess on par with each other so they're trying to take him down a peg so they can build up Solo I'm guessing I don't know I I, I thought know. it was all weird like you said it could have been all Robert Stone and just have him be like. After he sings, he goes to attack, and when he, you know, he dodges the attack, and Zion just just beats him down, and you wouldn't have to have him involved in the karaoke and the. Dance. And we would have been having this conversation, and we would have been just fine, and be like, "All right, you know what? I'm I'm more excited to see what else Zion Quinn does going forward." Now I'm just what like, was I interesting. Just hope he doesn't sing and dance again. What was interesting though, after that segment, he's going backstage, Legado and Electra, La Madrina, yeah. La Madrina, uh, coming. They kind of meet faces, and she stops him. And she looks him up and down. She's like, I didn't know you had that in you. I don't know if she was referring to the singing or dancing or referring to the incredible beatdown that Robert Stone got. Nonetheless, Zion Quinn impressed La Madrina. And that's all you need right now because La Madrina is the one woman that has everything going on besides not having the NXT Women's Championship. Man. That's coming soon, Joaquin and Raul Mendoza, bro, taking on Von Wagner. The gear. Yes. The the LWO gear. gear. I freaking loved it. I've been dying to get an LWO shirt with, like, the Puerto Rican flag instead of the Mexican flag. It looks spectacular on them with LDF, like the Fantasma. The gear was almost as good as with the match that we got between Von Von Wagner, because I got to remember, he's not European. (laughs) It's not like Valter. It's not like Valter over here. What's the W? But Von Von Wagner and Kyle (laughs) O'Reilly. Uh, which again, these are four talented guys, and I love how they again just incorporate real life stuff. So everything on social media, uh, with of course Legato, especially I think it was Joaquin Wild was calling out uh, Von Wagner for getting a shot. He's like, dude, you've only been here for five minutes, and you're already getting the title shot. And then of course it's like, you know, just a back and forth between Kyle Riley and Von Wagner with uh, Legato Matazba, and it tied into this match that we got, which was a really fun match to see. And even though these are two guys that are highly touted to be in the main event scene, they still have worked out all the kings as a tag team because Legado de Fantasma, Joaquin Wild, and Raul Mendoza got the win over the so-called, you know, the the mixed, the weird uh, frenemies. They got a name. They got a name now. Did you, you see the, sh- the name? Do you see the name on 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 Kyle O'Reilly's shirt? Also, I was paying attention to the LDF shirts, the the oh. shirts. Accent smash, bro. Axe okay. smash because they went axe throwing and they were smashing some smashing. shit. Okay, and smashing some Steve Wazers uh, on the last <laughs> vignette last week, which is good. All right, axe smash. I can, I can roll with that. It's just 
they still have a long ways to go if they want to handle a true tag team like Legado Fantasma. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Legado definitely showing out. I, I was almost a little bit worried when I saw this matchup because I know Legado, they have their ups and they have their downs, but you have a brand new team in Kyle and a brand new with, with, with Kyle and Van and Von Wagner. So I was a little worried that Kyle and Von Wagner were going to get like that immediate push, but I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad that they didn't because that kind of shows that they still have some holes in their tag team game and they got to work on it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and that's totally fine because Legado needs to get a push now. Legado really needs to be the one to eventually take those titles off of Imperium at some point. Um, one, one can be hopeful, right? And, and we've been seeing these guys go at it for years and months on end. And still they haven't been able to capitalize. They've had opportunities, but they have not been able to capitalize on that opportunity. But uh, we'll see what happens here with Legado. Feels like it should be coming soon, though. Like these guys have been putting so. in that work. So, like, give, I, give them a legit shot and run with the titles. <laughs> uh, so, Andre Chase had a little backstage segment there uh, <laughs> early, early in the night. And um, someone pointed out that he was scared in the haunted house and that people were calling him a coward. <laughs> and he was like, What? People are saying, What? So, he's just, he's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to challenge anybody, right? So, he goes out, he makes an open, a, a, a Andre Chase, a Chase University open challenge, which, by the way, he has his own Chase U section, which I absolutely find hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's great. I'm loving the Andre <laughs> Chase character even more every week because how obnoxious he is. But I didn't think he was expecting Braun Breaker to come out and accept his challenge fresh off of losing his NXT title match against Tommaso Ciampa, where Tommaso retained last week on Halloween Havoc. Braun Breaker making quick work out of Andre Chase, doing a promo right after. He's like, uh, Tommaso took advantage of every single hole in the game. He set up every single trap, and I fell for every single one of them. And what pisses me off, I hate losing. So... Looks like he's not done uh, with Tommaso Ciampa down the road. He's got to earn his way back up there. But yeah, Braun Breaker making quick work of Andre last night. The future NXT champion, Braun Breaker. Uh, but I did like the little interaction backstage with and, uh, Andre Chase and Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. It's like, yeah, you made it out of the Hound House? You're still alive? You're not a zombie? What are you talking about? <laughs> that was funny. Those little, just those little things that can, you know, continues these storylines and these like, you know, beats from episode to episode. I think it's it's really great. Uh, but of course, of course, just like we were talking about one powerful Samoan earlier on in uh, Quinn, we did get to see another match uh, of Solo Sikoa as he took on Jeet Rama, which, yeah. Looking mad dominant, bro. That How about this, that splash? The splash. Like, as soon as he hit him, like, all right, tell me you're an Uso without saying you're an Uso. Like, that's to me what I. <laughs> Immediately, what I felt when he hit that See, splash. But the way that he hits, how Solo hits his splash is actually as opposed to like an actual. Yeah, yeah it's like kind of like quite impressive because he jumps and then he's like super stiff. But then right as he's about to land, he kind of like puts his hands down, which makes it look like he's dropping just all of a sudden on you. Which, yeah. from a visual standpoint, I think it looks absolutely great. But yeah, tell me you're a new so without oh, telling me you're a new so, bro. Yeah, clearly, clearly, like it feels like it's gonna be a lot sooner rather than later that he's gonna be up on SmackDown with Jimmy J with Roman because it's it's too much without actually seeing it, you know. And of course, with the fans getting behind him too, like just saying Uso every single time that he's coming out to the ring and he's kind of like playing along with it and oh, he was mad over too, dude. He was mad over the crowd. For at one point, I think at the beginning of the match, the crowd was split between Solo and Chase, right? Yeah. But then I think after like a minute, it just went straight to Solo. Everybody, the entire CWC was chanting so, uh, Solo. Yeah, and and Abdul was saying here, I'm thinking that Simone phase that's going on has a lot to do with the Rock and Roman Reigns. But look how incredibly talented they are! Like, look at how well, well the storyline that. The, the Samoans, especially Jimmy and Jay, dealing with Roman Reigns, they told a really great story. And the acting was spectacular. And they continued to keep adding layers and layers and layers 
because they're extremely talented. So, of course, they're yeah. going to have that rub, especially with a family member. So it makes me – I'm interested to see what uh, Solo's going to do first by himself and then when he eventually joins the rest of the bloodline. Because it's going to happen whether it's going to be a few years mm-hmm. later on or soon. Mm-hmm. Regardless, I'm anxious to see because we see what these guys can do. I want to see what he does. And then when you yeah. have another Simone and Zion Quinn, even though put the dancing and the singing aside – He's still extremely talented. I'm excited to see what he can do too because we've seen what this kind of potential of this kind of athlete can do. So that gets us involved in their storylines and what they're going to be able to continue to give us going forward. So, yeah, it's kind of, it feels like kind of a phase going on, but that's because they keep delivering. Every single Simone that they put on TV has delivered. So, yeah, I'm, give me more. <laughs> so reading some of uh, uh, some of your guys' comments, Abdul Rahman here on uh, Facebook is saying, I'm thinking that the Samoan phase that's going on this have a lot to do with the Rocket Roman Reigns. Well, well, Abdul, when it comes to the Samo- to the Samoan uh, family and dynasties in pro wrestling, they have been very, very much intertwined with the WWE for decades now. This goes back to the seventies. This goes back uh, to the old High Chief Peter Maivia days when it was still territories. Vince McMahon had a relationship with the Hawaiian Wrestling Federation at the time, uh, where, pe- where the Mayavias, uh, the Rock's grandmother, were the ones that were controlling that territory back in the day, and they would interchange wrestlers, so they already had that relationship ever since then. And you can't also forget, you know, Haku, the Wild Samoans, all those guys that were all part of that, and that lineage is just kind of trickled down, which the Rock in the 90s, yes, Roman Reigns now, now we're going to have our next generations of Samoans with the Usos and Solo Sokoa and Zion Quinn. So having Samoans in WWE is not really a new thing. It's almost like it's almost a far gone conclusion. It's like, oh, you're Samoan and a wrestler? You must be in WWE. You're going to be in WWE. You're, you're WWE bound. Like, exactly. Expect, you know, Jacob Fatu and everybody to eventually get there at some point. Exactly. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, you know, special shout out to friends of the show, uh, to Val, to Ballet. And to Vertigo. Yes, yes, yes. The Anoa'i family, uh, which we have a good relationship with, uh, they just got uh, one of the, the youngest daughters, Vale Anoa'i, just got married uh, to Vertigo Julio uh, over here in Orlando. So congratulations to them. A lot of the guys of the Anoa'i family were at the wedding. I was unfortunately not at the wedding, but I saw a bunch of the pictures, and everybody looks so happy. So congratulations to you guys uh, of the entire Anoa'i family. Uh, all right, man, let's move on here because uh, Solo, we already talked about Solo squashing Jeet Rama. Uh, let's jump into Grayson Waller Grayson and Boa Wall. because Grayson still, uh, LA Knight still has a little bit of beef <laughs> with uh, with Grayson Waller. LA Knight was out there doing yeah. commentary. Boa still getting a little bit of um, power per se from Mei Ying, uh, but Boa was able to get this solid win over Grayson, I think with a little bit of distraction from LA Knight. Yeah, so, so, so that's gonna be going on. But what's the whole thing when Bo went back to Mei Ying? She wasn't there, and then it turns out he had the face paint, and then he did the miss. So they're still evolving. Maybe stuff they fused. In Maybe Shaw, they, did they do the fusion dance, and we didn't see the fusion dance? I, I, I don't know. But to me, again, the same thing with Zion Quinn losing Mystique with the dancing and all this stuff. Mei Ying kind of lost that too when she lost with Takora Jade. So mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, whatever. Until you get me back, I'm honestly, and now that uh, Zia Lee is gone, now she's in the main roster. You know what? I honestly don't care about Tian Shaw until they do something interesting. So good luck to you, Bowen, trying to win us back. Uh, They did point out here in the chat, uh, Stephen Chambers, uh, that Duke Duke Hudson's poker room uh, in those promos, he thought he was watching Impact because they had this whole (laughs) running segment between uh, Duke Hudson and, of course, Cameron Grimes trying to you know put his money up in the poker room some bits were funny some bits were, were kind of sad but at the end of the day Cameron Grimes got one over on Duke Hudson whether it was pure luck or he was just playing him he won all Duke Hudson's money with two twos because he's going to the moon Jose winning all that money this is going to continue it it filled time that's that's basically what it did but this led us to the main event of the evening where we had a tag team match Johnny Gargano and his son, they keep referring to him as his son. His son-in-law. 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 They keep calling him the son. <laughs> Dexter Loomis going up against the North American champion, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Uh, I enjoyed this match, man. I 
anything that Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis have been doing, it has been money. And they're doing it in this match too. They started off with the no look high five. They did it with the exchanging of the gloves and they both did the silence and their, their uh, submission finishers. They did the whole thing where he like crawls on the leg, you know, uh, on his knees to the ropes and Johnny got on top of him and like posed. They did a lot of fun, interesting, and uh, interesting things, but it was not enough because this is now Carmelo's show. This is his court. And when Carmelo shoots, he, he don't miss. Don't miss. And Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams get the win over Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano. But that wasn't the best part of that entire segment. The best part of the segment was right before that match started, as soon as Tommaso Ciampa was heading back. Oh, man, yes. After he had the that confrontation off. with Carmelo on who was going to be the champ of NXT, the stare down between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, one of the greatest rivalries oh. and feuds in NXT history. Their last match was one final beat last year, cinematic style, one of NXT's masterpieces uh, when it comes to the gold and black era of, of NXT. And we got a little bit of kind of nod. Don't know if this is going to happen again. But I would not mind seeing Gargano and Champa one, two, three, four, five more times. It looks That's like it's just me. I'm I wouldn't be mad between the three of them and both of these titles if they all switch hands at some point. Like, because I think we know the history, of course, between Tommaso Champa and Johnny Gargano, but we know how talented Carmelo Hayes is. And I think him in the ring with either one, Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa, is going to be a great match. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have at some point like a triple threat match, winner takes all. I was just about to say that. Do just because, Bryan. Did yeah. somebody say triple threat? Like, <laughs> I And I wouldn't be mad at it just because of how talented they are. They can tell so many great stories, tell, you know, put on an amazing match. Uh, so... It's intriguing. That's why, like I said at the beginning of the recap, like I, they do a lot of good job. They do a lot of good things with like incorporating these storylines together. And it just gets your mind going to those places where you have that confrontation between Carmelo Hayes and Tommaso Ciampa. All right, who's the A champion, NXT champion or the North American champion? And then you have that moment where Tommaso's walking back and Johnny comes out. And you know, instantly you think that history that they have. And even though technically it's a feud between Johnny and Carmelo, your mind goes there like, man. I want to see this Johnny versus this Tommaso just because every single time they always have a different dynamic to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Once a baby face, once a heel, both are baby faces, both are heels flipped over. They just, they just have, they don't have a bad match. So no. regardless of what happens, we just want to see that match between Johnny and Tommaso because again, they change something every single time, whether it's a dynamic, where the story beats, whether it's the moves that they do in the match, they do something that just keeps topping the match before and our minds just instantly go there and all they did was cross paths because Tommaso was leaving and Johnny was coming in for a match and our minds already just started jumping to that point so mm-hmm. they do a lot of good job they do a good job of like putting a lot of these plays these pieces in place just in case for whatever happens you can pull that trigger this match is going to happen this match because this this match because that and just those little, little tease little tease baby they do so so freaking well here in NXT support no which gets me hype but for now you know we got you know, Carmelo Hayes versus Johnny Gargano. Maybe we might get Tommaso Champa in the mix now that he's defeated Braun Breaker. And Braun Breaker has people to start starting to get wild in here. People starting to, start to talk about DIY return. Oh, can we? Okay. He's teamed up with Loomis right now. I don't oh, think, no. let's, let's slow oh, down, let's guys. Slow down yeah. I, I don't think my heart can take there, it if we get a DIY return. It's not if, going get a DIY, if I get a DIY return, I'll probably be out for two weeks because I can't take the emotion. I can't take it, the excitement if we get a DIY return. It, the closest thing to that is that it's going to get forced again if they both just happen to get called up to Raw at the same time and they're forced to be in a tag team like they were the first time they got called up. That's the only way they're going to get DIY this early. You might have to yeah. give it some time eventually when they all lose the titles. And, you know, they Johnny Gargano and Tommaso doesn't have anything else to do. They can go for the tag team titles. But don't, don't, no, don't, don't get our hopes up with that. This early because they didn't happen any time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 not yet. Uh, <laughs> Rico, where in the world is Peter Dunn? He's all by himself now that Rich Holland is no longer part of NXT. So, yeah, we didn't. He wasn't featured at all, neither last week or this week, right? And he's supposed to be the you know the toughest guy in NXT, and 
yeah, we haven't seen that. We've seen uh, Branson and uh, uh, the the two country boys have their little vignette. Uh, Jensen and Briggs have their little like backstory of who they are, and that's what we're gonna as a tag team. And then we even have an MSK segment with the you know Forrest Gump segment where we still don't know the goddamn meaning of MSK, of MSK. or the origin. Nobody knows. Every time they do it, it's it's always like in the in the comedy segments or in the movies that you see in the movies or in a, or in a sitcom where something important is about to go down and something comes to distract you or it's too loud to hear to hear the actual explanation. That's what we got. Where there was a stupid bus in the middle of the explanation, and then the guy's like. Oh shit, that's right. And it was like they're laughing about it. We're like, well, what are we laughing about? I couldn't hear the damn thing. This is like the third time this has happened, and I'm starting to get really upset about it. We're gonna find out at some point. I hope. I hope we find out what MSK what it stands for, how they came across. But until then, we're gonna keep getting all these teases, and then we're still gonna get these teases on Lash Legend because she finally had Tony D'Angelo as her. Forget guest. about it. Oh, with the producer. Oh, look at him. He's real good. Hey, how's your family? And you start naming people in the family. How's like, your right. how's your how's, how's your, your wife? wife? How your kids doing? How your kids doing, huh? <laughs> oh, they're, they're great. oh, he just fell. He's just he's oh, just he's, nervous because he's, he's on, nervous. TV. on TV. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the whole payoff's gonna be with this, but I, I don't know. But I'm I'm enjoying his character. He was he was interviewed uh today on the bump. Uh, he he's a cool character. I think uh, I'm gonna continue to keep my eye on, on Tony D'Angelo. Um, guys, go ahead and sound off in the comments right now. Let us know your score for this week's NXT 2.0. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Doesn't matter as long as you enjoyed it. Go ahead and score it right now. Rico, one week off of Halloween Havoc. What did you think of this week's NXT? Man, uh, see, I gave AEW an eight and. NXT wasn't better. So I'm going to have to give it at least a seven. Uh, I think I would have been a little bit better if, A, we would find out what MSK stood for. Uh, two, <laughs> if we would have found out something from Ember Moon, because I know uh, somebody brought up in the chat too. We haven't seen Ember Moon in a while. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, other than that, I mean, Dakota Kai is back. Uh, we had a good promo from Mandy Rose, at least, and the rest of Toxic Attraction. Uh the biggest to me, the biggest part of the the of the night was Legado Fantasma getting a solid win. Love the gear that they had. Love the interaction. So I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm gonna give it a solid seven. What about you? I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more generous just because there there, there was some a lot more good than bad on NXT. Uh, seven point five. You know, I think it was it was a pretty strong show for a post pay per view uh, slash event special. Uh, when it comes to the programming, typically when we see um, like the day after or a week after type of show, we see a show full of vignettes, full of backstage stuff, not enough matches. I think we had a good amount of matches, some bad segments, which we talked about the Zion Quinn and Robert Stone. I think that really didn't didn't help. But I think a 7.5 should be right. Was It was OK. It wasn't bad. It was a good show for a post pay-per-view. But I think that AEW did a little bit better just because they have a major pay-per-view coming up and we got some big implications uh, on the storylines, which they needed to execute. NXT doesn't have anything to really build up for right now. They're just coming off of something. So now we're building up to the takeover, which will hopefully be going down in December. That's fair. Let's read. Let's read. Let's see what you guys got. Tyron Randall saying 10. And he's being real generous. generous. Uh, Paul May. Saying Paul NXT was okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Stephen Chambers is a seven. CR Seekers for Ryan Cooper, 7.5. Philip Shavin is giving it a 10. So you guys are all over the place, but that's okay because that means that you guys watched it and you guys enjoyed it, which is the most important thing that you can do because you know we advocate. You guys can have your tribalism. You guys can say AEW or WWE. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're watching it. You're loving it, right? That's what we do here. We talk about it, and uh, and, and, and that's what you got to do, guys. Uh, guys, we want to thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight here on The Debrief. Uh, continue to follow us for all the updates and all brand-new content. You got to subscribe to the YouTube channel, all right? 
Smash that notification bell so you never miss whenever we drop brand new content or whenever we have breaking news or live video. Catch us on the daily every afternoon around 6, 6.30 p.m. on YouTube and on Facebook with the top story, giving you the hottest, latest news every single day, every afternoon. Catch us Monday evening after Raw, Legion of Raw with Vince Russo and Dr. Chris Featherstone, breaking down everything you need to know about Monday Night Raw. Every Wednesday night with Rico El Glorioso and myself, breaking down AEW and NXT. And on Friday night, Smack Talk with Dirty Dutch Mantel, SP3, and Rick Cuccino, breaking down not only SmackDown, but AEW Rampage. So we got tons of content for you guys, exclusive interviews right now about to drop, and we got some really special stuff coming out for Survivor Series. So, again, continue to follow us so that way you guys never miss whenever we drop brand new stuff, all right? Uh, follow Rico El Glorioso at Rico El Glorioso on the socials. Follow me at Jose G Official. Put the underscores in between on all my socials. And you can follow us on Recons of Wrestling. We'll be live tomorrow night, 8 p.m. We're going to be having Cha Cha Charlie on the show. He's going to be uh, doing a cool interview ahead of the Rise of the Titans uh, event for pro wrestling action going down on Sunday night. So that's going to be great. Hopefully we can get some more answers uh, between him and, and Chico Adams. I know they've been having some words, and, uh, and Jake Tucker is also going to be joining us. He's going to be part of the main event. So it's going to be a good show tomorrow, so catch us 8 p.m. live tomorrow on YouTube and on Facebook at Recons of Wrestling. So for Rico El Glorioso, I'm Jose G. And remember, guys, when you're watching wrestling, what's the most important thing they need to do, Rico? Enjoy it. Enjoy wrestling. Boom. Have a good night, guys.